Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. So we are in a series titled Raised to Life, okay? Raised to Life. Essentially what we've done over the past few weeks is gone through the entire book of Ephesians verse by verse, not skipping any of it, preaching the good, bad, and the ugly of it, okay? Last week we talked about slaves and masters. Like you're not going to find it anywhere else, okay? Welcome to the book of Ephesians. It's, 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 it's been a journey. And today we close out the book of Ephesians. We've made it through the entire book verse by verse. Some exciting stuff. Um, so I have Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 24 to, to close out this series. And um, it's a longer passage, but it's really good, man. And, and it's full. So what I plan to do is just read through this passage in its entirety. And then I'll take the rest of our time together breaking it down. Does that sound okay? All right, let's read. Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 24 says this. This is Paul. He says, a final word. Right into the church. I love it. It's a final word. I'm about to wrap this thing up. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on, the full, put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Some translations say the schemes of the devil. How many know the devil's scheming? Devil's scheming, boy. Devil's got strategies. Devil's got weapons that you can't even see, but they affect us. We can't see them, but we feel them. Right, but we'll get into that though. Verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world. Everyone say unseen, an unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're in a battle, but, but you can't see it. We talked in, in the very beginning of Ephesians, we talked about how right now this, you can see me, I can see you, we're in this present age, we're in this physical realm where we can see each other and interact and respond and sing and, and touch things and things are solid, but we're also, there's an overlap of a spiritual realm that we can't see, but we are directly affected by it. There's angels and demons, there's angelic beings, there's, there's spiritual beings in this realm, and we are, find ourselves in the middle of this overlap right now. And Paul's trying to communicate that. He's saying, listen, there's a, a war happening in this spiritual realm, in, in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Anyone want to stand firm? Come on, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth the body armor of God's righteousness, the shoes, the boots of peace. Come on. Had to, had to slide that in there. Wore these on purpose. Let's go. You guys like them. Okay. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. Verse 16, in addition to all those things, Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And then Paul closes it up with this. He says, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plans that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. 
Paul says, I'm in chains now. And this wasn't like a spiritual metaphor. No, Paul is physically chained up, like on house arrest, in chains. He's like, right now, I'm, you know, I'm chained up. You know, you know how it goes. Another day. Still preaching this message as God's ambassador, though. I'm in chains, but I'm still bringing the good news. I'm in chains, but I'm still, I'm still preaching the good news. So pray that I'll keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. To bring you up to date, take a kiss. We'll give you a full report about what I'm doing now and how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother, a faithful helper in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. And then Paul wraps up the whole thing. He says, peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Considering we're wrapping up this entire book after weeks and weeks of study, I decided to title this message, if you're taking notes, The Grand Finale. The Grand Finale. It's going to be good, huh? Y'all ready? Let's pray. Jesus, as we open up your word, as we move through it verse by verse, I pray that we would have a heart ready to receive it. God, till the soil of our hearts. Help us to receive the seed of your word. Let it take root in our heart. Let it grow to produce fruit in our lives. We want to be a body. We want to be a group of believers that doesn't just listen to your word, then walk away, but we apply it to our lives. God, we're full of faith and full of action. We're not just hearers of your words. We're doers also. Come on, help us to be more like Jesus, that's what we desire. And I believe as we not only read your word, but as we apply the truths of your word to our life, that will happen. We love you, we praise you, and we ask this in your holy and mighty name. We all said, amen. Now, traditionally, as we've journeyed through the book of Ephesians, I've just gone through the verses in in chronological order, but I wanna spend the majority of our time together today in verses like 10 through 18. So I'm gonna start with 19 through 23 or 24, whatever it is. I'll kind of break down what Paul says there and then we'll spend the rest of our time in that other portion of the passage. So um, in verses 19 through 24, Paul writes this. He says, and pray for me too. Like, like I said during our ministry moment while we were praying for needs, I love, we, ha- we have to observe how Paul says pray for me. We, ha- we have to consider, Paul, why would you ask the church to pray for you? And it's because the church's prayers have power. Uh, we gotta grab a hold of this church. We have to understand when we come together and we pray, come on, it, it edifies spirits, it makes things whole, it breaks chains, right? It, our prayer works. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Prayer works, okay? Prayer is effective. Prayer changes things. Paul says, pray for me. It forces me to ask the question, are we a church that prays? Like when, when, when we're out of this building, when, when Pastor Mark's not leading the prayer from stage, when you guys are in your car, when you're in the shower, when you're in your living room, do you pray? Do you pray for your pastor? Do you pray for your friends and your family? Right? Do you pray for our country? Do you pray for yourself? Yes, God, come on, God, give me wisdom. Give me boldness. Come on, give me fervor and grit. I want to be, God, I want to know you more. Give me into, do, are we a church that prays? We need to be. We need to be a church that prays. Here's my soapbox, okay. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mis- mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. He says, I'm in chains now. Still preaching this message as God's ambassador. 
So I pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him. There's a story in Acts where Peter gets put in prison. King Agrippa is, you know, to to please everybody else. He throws Peter in jail because Peter's spreading the good news about Jesus. And while Peter, we preached on this a few weeks back, and, you know, an angel literally unlocks Peter's prison cell, walks in, and then leads him past the guards. Y'all remember that? Okay. So you would think Paul's prayer, being in chains, Paul would say, God, I pray you'd send me an angel to get me out of these chains so I can get back out there and, you know, keep, keep doing it. Or, God, I pray that you would change the government officials' hearts so they, they wouldn't have me on house arrest here and I, I could be free. Does he pray that? What does Paul pray for? Hey, church, you know I'm chained up, so pray that I have boldness. Pray I have boldness to communicate God's truth. Paul's a savage, man dude's a savage. And the reason Paul's praying that is because Paul knows that he's going to be brought before government officials because he's arrested. And they're going to ask, all right, you know, what what are you in for? And he's going to communicate the gospel and he wants boldness to communicate the good news that's for Jews and Gentiles alike. That's for slaves and free. That's for male and female. Come on, this good news is for everybody. I want boldness to communicate it. That's what he's saying. I love it. I think it's really good. And then Paul, you know, he, he quickly pivots, wraps up the whole thing. He says, to bring you up to date, take a kiss. He's like, he'll give you a full report about what I'm doing now, how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother. He's a faithful helper. Uh, I love this guy. I'm sending him to you. So uh, I, I've sent him to you for the very purpose to let you know how we, do, how we are doing, and, and, and he'll encourage you. And I, and I think this speaks to Tychicus's character. What a name, right? I think it speaks, speaks to his character, though. And there's a lesson in there for us to have integrity, right? For us to be faithful to each other, to support one another. Um, so, yeah, I just, you know, I think it speaks to Tychicus's character. And then Paul closes out the whole thing. He says, peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, give you love with faithfulness. And may God's grace eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's that. Cl- closes up the letter, and those are those last couple of verses. <clears throat> now, this morning, before I delegate, you know, the majority of our time to verses 10 and 18, I wanted to share a quick little story about my recent trip to Montana. And if you don't know, I went to Montana for a week. It got COVID, and it was a whole shebangle, but we got through it. Here I am. Um, It's kind of funny how I got invited on this trip, though. A pastor found me on Instagram. This is true. And sent me a message. Hey, Mark, I'm going to this pastor retreat in Montana. I'd like you to come. And I said, okay, well, this is a little sketchy, so I'm going to invite Pastor Josh just to be safe. (laughs) You know, we're a month removed. I figured I could cue him in on that now, so... So me and Pastor Josh, we took off, man. We went to Montana. The, the pastor said, if you, if you guys can buy your plane tickets, like if you pay for your plane tickets, I'll cover everything else. And I'm like, man, when are we going to be able to do something like this again? Let's just do it, okay? So we, we take off, and we, we, we have a blast um, in Montana together hanging out, and we caught COVID together, you know, making memes, right? Making, making memes. Literally every single person on this trip got COVID, every single one, so... But while we were on the trip, one, one of the things we do is fly fish together. And that's like a big part of the trip. You kind of go out during the day, you fly fish on the Bighorn River, then you come back at night and you sit around the table and you eat dinner and you, and you talk about the Lord and 
you know, other things related. And so <clears throat> my idea of fly fishing, I just kind of thought of a river runs through it, Brad Pitt, right? Just kind of had that picture in my mind, kind of the amber, the fall colors, the leaves falling and just swinging that pole, just graceful. And I figured how hard can this really be? I mean, you guys know I kill deers, you know, <laughs> I wear, I wear boots. I'm an outdoorsman. It's, I'll be able to, I'll be able to figure it out. So I got a Carhartt shirt on. It's, you know. so I'm like, I'll definitely catch a fish. Didn't catch a single fish. Josh had no problem. Anyways, we're in the boat. We're, we're, we're learning to fly fish, okay? And the way this goes, they're guided fly fish trips. So it's about a nine-foot boat. There's a, there's a guide in the middle of the boat, and he sits, and he rows, and he, he brings you up to the bank of the river and gets you where you need to go. Like, he, he's sitting in the boat, and then you have a guy in the front, and there's these little locks you put your leg into, and you fish off the side, and then there's a guy on the back of the boat, and he fishes off this side, okay? So I'm in with the pastor who invited me on Instagram, and so we have our guide in the middle, we have Pastor Ty over here, then we have me on the back of the boat. I've just learned. I very quickly realized Brad Pitt made this look really easy. It's not easy. And I am giving it everything I got, swinging this pole, trying to get this stupid hook to fly out into the water and just can't figure it out. Everyone else, Pastor Ty's done this multiple times. Everyone else is like, ah, this is fantastic, you know, wow. And here I am ready to kill everybody and, and lose my position. No, I'm just kidding. I'm hooking myself in the jacket. I'm like, my line's getting tangled. I'm like, if I can't figure this out, in the next four days, this is going to be the worst trip I've ever been on. Like, I'm so frustrated right now. So there was, here I am, I'm ready. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get it this time. And so I take that pole and I swing it back and I go to cast it out and throw it forward and let the line go. And my pole gets about here and gets stuck. And I just hear behind me, oh, and I look and I have hooked our guide right in the nose blood's dripping out of it. He's like, I'm like, dude, this is what they're paying you for. Like, I, no, that's not true. I felt terrible. I felt terrible. They actually, he's like, <laughs> Pastor Ty goes, why don't we pull up on the bank over here and, and you can show them how to cast. So they all get out of the boat. Pastor Ty like goes over there. The guy takes me over. I'm like, I get it. Okay. You're scared. Pastor Ty's paranoid. My guide's bleeding. He's mad at me. He's trying to be nice. And uh, yeah, can't figure it out. Can't figure it out. Who knew that a fly fishing pole could be a weapon? It can. Um, that being said, I'd like to take a break from my embarrassing stories about my attempts to be an elite outdoorsman, um, even though I've made great progress in, in 2020. Special effect, there you go. <clears throat> Ephesians 6, let's read it. Let's read it. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12. This is Paul. He says a final word. I want you to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Put on God's full armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies, against the schemes of the devil. How many know we got a spiritual enemy? Right? He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. We read it in John 10.10. 10. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, Paul says, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, 
against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Dylan, you've done some MMM fighting. You know how to throw a punch, right? Come on, let's give it up for Dylan. Dylan, why don't you come up here for a second? Come on, come on, come on. It'll be all right. Come on, come on. It'll be all right. Dylan's got a pretty good punch. We actually watched Mike Tyson fight last night. Yeah, I'm serious. Come on, come on. Dylan was teaching me how to throw a punch just the other day. He, he can punch pretty good. He, good, good, good friend of mine. So, dude, I'm going to give you three punches. Three punches. I'm serious, okay? You get to try and hit me. Three punches. One thing, though. Got to close your eyes. So, eyes closed. Eyes closed. Okay. Punch number one. Go ahead. You hit me, you hit me. Number two. Okay. Number three. All right, there we go. Look, come on, let's give it up for Dale. Good form. Deadly. What's the point? It's hard, hard to fight a fight you can't see. It's hard to fight when you can't see. Paul tells us, though, the you, you can't, this is an unseen world. Paul's like, listen, y'all, we're, we're in a war, but you can't see it. It's spiritual. It's, it's not physical. In church, for us to be the body that God's called us to believe, or called us to be, for us to be mature spiritual believers, we need to learn how to fight a battle, a war we can't see. So what I want to do this morning is I want to help equip y'all as believers. How do you fight a war you can't see? How do you fight? Is that okay? Because, because here's the deal. God has plans for your life. We've learned that. God has a plan to give you life. But the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. There is a real war taking place. How do you fight a war you can't see? Ephesians 6.12, it emphasizes this, this is a war you can't see, right? Now, there's a passage in Matthew that I love, and uh, Abigail Taylor and I, we, we read our Bibles together at night, and we read this verse this week, and while I was putting the message together, I thought about it. It's in Matthew 6, it's Jesus speaking, and check this out, Matthew 6, 24 through 33, he says this, he says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one, and you'll love the other. You'll, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't serve two masters, church. And then Jesus continues on. He says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Say, don't worry. He says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? And isn't your body more than clothing? Jesus, Jesus is speaking, and he goes, look at the birds of the air. Like, look, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. He takes care of the birds of the air. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Like, he's just trying to make it so obvious and so plain. What are you worrying for? Why do you worry? He goes, and, and then he asks like this, almost 
antagonistic question, like, as if that wasn't enough. He, he asks, he goes, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Okay, Jesus, we get it, right? You're telling us not to worry. We get it. He continues on. He's relentless. He says, and why worry about your clothing? L- look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They, they don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers uh, that are here today and then thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly, certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Jesus goes, why do you have so little faith? He says, so don't worry. Say, don't worry. He says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? He goes, these things, they dominate the thought of the unbelievers because the unbelievers, they don't know there's a provider. They don't know there's a sustainer, right? He goes, but we as believers, we don't, we don't worry. There's no reason for us to worry. Because this dominates the thoughts of unbelievers, but for your heavenly father, he already knows all your needs. And then Matthew 6.33. Come on, we all love Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, right? And all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom and above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. What a promise. What a promise. Seek God. Give him everything, and he'll give you everything you need. Say, don't worry. I think one of the enemy's favorite weapons is worry. And I think that's why Jesus takes so much time telling us, quit worrying. I think that's why Paul writes in Philippians 4, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. I think one of the greatest weapons of the enemy is worry. You can't see worry, but you can feel it, right? I'd say worry untamed is a dangerous and powerful force that has the ability to make us act in ways we normally wouldn't. Right? I'm worried. What worry does is it tempts us to take things into our own hands. Oh, there's not going to be enough. Oh, it's not going to be good enough. Oh, I'm going to be... Right? And we start... start, Our worry moves us to... it's It's a powerful force. It's a powerful weapon. And we laugh, but it's true. Worry, what it does, why it's so dangerous, it has the ability to take us from a place of faith, right? And moves us into our flesh moves us into fear. It's not going to be enough. It's, going to, it's never going to work out. It's, it's not going to pan out. Oh, what, are we, what are we going to do? Right? That's not faith. I really believe worry is one of the weapons of the enemy. There's another weapon that the enemy uses. Lies and deceit. Check this out in Colossians 2.8. It talks about our, talks about our thought life. And I know a lot of people, I know many people in this church, I know thought life is something that um, can be very difficult to tame. I know thought life is something that many of us may find ourselves wrestling with. Check this out. Colossians 2.8 says this. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from where? Spiritual powers. There's thoughts that come from Spiritual powers, okay? Rather than Jesus Christ. And how many times have you almost come into agreement with the thought that this world might be better off without you? 
How many times have you come into agreement with the lie that God's not real? How many times have you come into agreement that your life has no purpose? How many times have you come into agreement with the thought and the lie that you'll never get free, that life will always look this way? How many times have we surrendered and and believed lies to be true? I want to help somebody in the building recognize this morning that these thoughts, they don't happen by accident. They're planted by spiritual beings. And then the other thing the enemy uh, does his best to do is to entice us with sin, to drag us away, right, by, by lighting our desires on fire, by enticing us with things we know are wrong. And we see this, I mean, this happens in the garden. This happens from day one, right? Come on, no, that he'll make you just like God. The enemy, he whispers to us, come on, I, I know God told you not to do this, but come on, if, if you partake of this, though, if, come on, if you do this, if you mess with this, come on, you'll love it. You'll love it. It'll be, it'll be good for you. It'll, it'll please you. It'll make you feel good. It'll, it'll enhance your life. I know God said not to do it, but come on. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It tells us what some of those things of the flesh are. And it says they're obvious. And I've read this verse a bunch of times, but I'm gonna read it again. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very, very clear very obvious to know when we're in the flesh and when we're out of it. It says sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I think we know all these things are harmful. I think we know that there's a calling on our life to stay away from these things. I think we know the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us to partake of these things. So why is it, why is it even a question? Because it's spiritual. Because we're being enticed. We're in a war. We're in a battle. That's why. It makes no sense, right? Like, why do I want these things that I know are wrong? Why? because we're in a spiritual war. And because of this spiritual war, that church, this is why we can't afford to walk around our everyday lives not dressed right, not dressed for battle, not dressed for the war. Ladies, I know y'all get the whole dress for the occasion thing. There's not a family in this building who isn't showing up to their fall family pictures not in matching outfits, okay? We know how to dress for the occasion. Men, I've never seen one of you walking up into your tree stand with a bright yellow shirt and bells sewn on your shirt, okay? Not gonna wear that. You know how to dress for the occasion. In the same way, you wouldn't walk around Walmart naked, most of us. Just kidding just in case you guys were confused. We have a clear understanding of what it means to dress for the occasion 
It's non-negotiable. Yet there's people who are perfectly content to walk around the battlefield day after day, vulnerable, exposed, and naked. And, And then they complain that they're not experiencing joy They complain that they're not experiencing peace. They have no self-control. They keep making the same harmful mistakes and repeating the same harmful behaviors over and over. They're not full of love, so they just come to the conclusion, nah, God's not real. I don't feel him. I don't sense him. So this whole God thing is dumb. And you know what happens? The devil does his victory dance, thinking, yeah, I got another one. Distracted another one. Stole another one. Right? Paul understands this. He's trying to tell the church, y'all need to dress for battle. You you need to dress for battle. Let's read it. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17. He says, therefore, since we're in this spiritual war that we can't see, he says, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness, For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Paul mentions these three pieces of armor, the belt, the breastplate, and the shoes of peace. And he's using these physical things. Paul knew what a soldier would wear in the Roman era. The people of Ephesus, they knew how a soldier would dress. So Paul's taking what a soldier would wear, and he's taking the tangible things a soldier would wear, and he's applying spiritual principles to each one of those things, saying we need to walk around with these things 24-7, non-negotiable, got to be dressed right. He mentions all these things, and and then he goes on to mention the shield and the helmet and the sword. Now remember, we just talked about The enemy is going to lie to us, so we need to wear our belt of truth, okay? The enemy, we just just talked about, he's going to utilize worry. Come on, so we need to carry around our peace that only comes from Jesus, right? We talked about how the enemy will entice us into sin, entice us to behave and live a way that God has not called us to, that God does not bless or reward, right? That that is harmful for our soul and for others around us, so we got to wear our righteous living. Got to walk around with it because we're enticed to do different. The enemy's launching fiery arrows. We need our shield of faith. I'm, I'm just curious though. Did you notice that all the pieces of armor mentioned, they're all for defense? Like I never heard of someone ripping off their girdle and knocking someone out with it, you know? There, there's one weapon. There's one weapon mentioned and, and the rest is for Defense. Now, I've preached, I've done ministry, I've been in ministry for quite a few years now. I've preached on the armor of God. I've I've preached on this verse. So when I knew that I was coming up on um, Ephesians 6, I I kind of had an idea of how I wanted to communicate this verse and what I wanted to talk about. And, you know, I, I was fully prepared to launch into this passionate charge of the sword of the Spirit. The word of God, that's what, we, that's what we fight with. So we gotta internalize the scriptures. We gotta digest them, right? We need to spend day and night and we gotta memorize them. We need to, come on, we need to speak the word of God. And all that is true, 100%. I agree with that and that's part of it. I was even gonna move into Matthew chapter four where Jesus is led into the wilderness, right? By the Holy Spirit. And then Satan tries to tempt him and how does he fight Satan? 
Come on, he doesn't punch him, right? He uses the word of God. He speaks scriptures to Satan. To, and I was going to use all that and say, come on, even Jesus used the sword of faith. You know, sword of the spirit. I was going to make it sound sexy too and say, we win with the word. <laughs> Would have been good. But then I got to thinking about it, and I'm like, well, Paul's communicating to the people in Ephesus. This is a letter he's writing. Like the New Testament, the letters of the New Testament, they're not even, they're not sewn together and bound yet. There is no New Testament. They don't, they don't have those New Testament scriptures to memorize, right? But what they had heard was the gospel. In the first chapter of John, it opens up like this. I love these first couple verses in the book of John. John 1, verses 1 through 5, it says this. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And this life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the scriptures, or maybe this is, you haven't heard this verse in a while, you read this verse and you're like, what is that saying? It's like a tongue twister. It's a little, what do you mean the word in the beginning was with, it was, what are, you, what are you talking about? And what we find out, what we know, is the word is Jesus. The word is Jesus. So let's just, let's just read this again here, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Jesus and nothing was created except through Jesus. The word Jesus gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness could never extinguish it. We win with the word, but the word is Jesus. You look at the pieces of armor, you can't even dress, you, you can't even wear the armor of God without Jesus. The belt of truth, Jesus physically said, I am the truth. I am truth. Right, the, 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 um, the breastplate of righteousness, we are only made righteous through his sacrifice. It, it, we, are, we have only been made right with God by grace through faith, right? In Jesus, like without Jesus, there is no righteousness to be gained. Shoes of peace, John 14, 27, Jesus says to his disciples, there's a peace I give you that the world cannot give you. Real, authentic peace only comes from Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Because of Jesus, I know what truth is. Because of Jesus, I've been made right with God. Because of Jesus, I have peace. Eternity is sealed for me. He'll provide all my needs. Because of Jesus, I have peace and I don't have to worry. Jesus changes everything. Jesus has solidified our eternity with the Father. Jesus has solidified a day where there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more mourning. Jesus defeated death. He conquered the grave. And when I put my faith in Jesus, I don't have to worry about my life. I trust that he's good. I trust that he provides. And I trust that Jesus won the battle. I fight with Jesus because Jesus did the work. Jesus is the word. 
So I say this, let the word do the work. Write it down. Let the word, Josh, the quote this week on the graphic, let the word do the work. Let the word do the work. If, if God said it, I'm going to believe it. I'm, I'm just going to put my faith in the word. I'm going to let the word do the work. If that's true, if God said it, I'm going to believe it. If God said it, I'm going to trust it. I'm going to put my faith in the word. I'm going to let the word do the work. Brooklyn, you can jump up on the keys if you wouldn't mind. So Montana trip. <laughs> Who knew fly fishing was spiritual? I just, you know, I've just hooked my guide in the nose. My hook's bloody. I'm not catching any fish, mostly because of that, I think. <laughs> Pastor Ty, he's in the boat. He's paranoid. So we pull up on this little island to get lunch. It's like the daybreak, you know, it's our little break in the day. And we're, we're waiting for the other boats to pull up. I, I think they couldn't wait to get out of the boat fast enough. So we got to the island before everybody else and we're waiting for everyone to show up. They're still out fishing. And the guide starts preparing the food. And me and Pastor Ty, we, we go out and we're in waders. So we go out and we stand in the water. And Pastor Ty gets about 200 yards away just to be safe. And I am just with my pole, just whipping it, just... Oh, just trying to teach myself how to, you can literally hear, just like trying, I can't get the hook to go anywhere I want. I can't even, I'm just struggling bad. I'm just, I think Pastor Ty is just down the river just watching me like, why did I invite you? And, and he walks up to me so graciously, so kind. He says, Mark, come here. He goes, give me, your, give me your pole for a second. Let, let me see this for a second. No, I felt like I was just getting it too, you know. <laughs> he goes, Mark, my, my dad used to tell me it's a $1,000 pole. Let it do the work. And essentially what he was saying is, Mark, quit swinging the pole so hard. Quit, quit using all your own strength. Quit trying to do the pole's job let the pole do the work. Let the pole do the work. And very gracefully, he showed me, Mark, you got to bring it back. Loft it forward. Bring it back. Loft it forward. Now, it's weird because you feel like it wouldn't go far. You feel like the pole wouldn't cast. But when you bring it back slow, the pole does the work. Right? The pole pulls the hook. And then when you bring it back slow, that pole launches that thing further than it would have ever gone in my own strength, right? Bring it back, let it go. And when I started to trust that the pole would do the work, I didn't catch any fish. But I did stop putting myself in danger, right? I did stop putting others in danger. My line stopped getting tangled. My frustration settled things started happening as intended to. And as I was preparing this message, I, I sensed that there's many of us and we're living this life and we're trying to create our joy, right? We're, we're, we're trying to manifest our own earthly purpose. We're, we're trying to live a life we enjoy and create a life that we enjoy and, and uh, make life meaningful. And we're striving to be good enough and striving to have significance and be seen and stop messing up. And we're fighting to be loved and to feel loved. And we're just, come on, I just, I know I can get this. If I just try harder, if I just do more, then trusting that if we do the work, it'll, it'll happen. And maybe you're in this room and you're tired been wounding yourself 
and you're wounding others and you're frustrated because every time you look up, it's like the line's tangled. Thinking like, am I, am I ever gonna figure this thing out? Am I, am I? And we fail to recognize is you can't do what the pole was created to do. Pastor Ty says, let the pole do the work. The apostle Paul says, let the word do the work. Let the word do the work. We need to give Jesus every part of our life. We need to surrender every part. We need to let the word do the work. Jesus is the word. You know what the Bible says? It's alive and active. Jesus has fought for us. Jesus has gotten the victory in us. We need to place ourselves in him. We need to put our faith in him. Come on, our thoughts, our actions, our words. Come on, Jesus, I'm going to give them all to you. I'm going I'm, I'm to put my life in you. I'm going to let you fight for me. And I'm going to trust your word is true. I'm going to trust you're good. I'm going to trust you're going to provide. Come on, let the word do the work. I'm going to close with this verse, Hebrews 4, 12 through 15. Worship team, you can come on up. It says this, for the word of God, the word of God is alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And to the one whom we are accountable. But, but then he goes on to say this. So then, since we have this high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, right? It says this, or, or entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest, Jesus of ours, understands our weakness for he faced all the same testings we do, but he didn't sin. Maybe you're reading this and, you're a little confused. In biblical antiquity, there was a high priest who would go in once a year and he'd make a sacrifice, and the sacrifice was to cover the sins of, of all the people. This, the, this sin was to make everybody right with God. So, so the high priest was the only one who could go into that spot, who could only right, get, get in the presence like that and, and leave the sacrifice to cover the sins. And it says that Jesus is our high priest. Because what happened when Jesus went to the cross and gave his life and sacrificed his life, he said, Lord, right, God, this is going to cover the sins of men. Now we're covered by the blood. That was a sacrifice that was for me and for you. That was for Jew and Gentile. That was for slave and free, right? This, this was a sacrifice that covered everybody. And the reason he made it is because he knew you're weak. I know you're in a war. I know you're going to lose right? This high priest of ours understands our weakness, understands we get tripped up, understands we drop the ball, right? Understands we're in a war and sometimes we get cut. Sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes we stumble. But he said, you know what? I'll cover you. I'll fight for you. I'll make a way for you. Come on. Our, our high priest went before us and said, let this suffice. So let us come boldly to the throne. Now this is for us. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God because we've been made right in Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. 
love you and have a blessed week.